This is Tech Unmuted, the podcast of modern collaboration, where we tell the stories of how collaboration tools enable businesses to be more efficient and connected with your hosts, George Shanestein and Santi Cuellar. Welcome to Tech Unmuted. Welcome to today's episode of Tech Unmuted. Want to remind everybody, please subscribe, like, give us some comments. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. So today we're going to take a look at some of the potential use cases around AI-enabled platforms or platforms that you would use to, to automate some of the things that you do within your organization every day. Think of these as things you could do in Copilot or in ChatGPT. We're going to just sort of bounce back and forth on a bunch of different use cases. Some of these you're going to be aware of. Some of them clearly exist today. Others exist in some form and will evolve over time. I'm going to throw the first one to Sante. Okay. So we're playing ping pong. I got it. Um, yep. All right. Well, the first one that I think of as far as the use cases, I think is, well, the first use case we had, I think it's software development. That's what comes to mind immediately. Right. So <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, uh, Copilot or, and actually ChatGPT, but generative AI in general kind of started in the software development realm. Um, GitHub, for those of you who are developers, you know GitHub. And and so Copilot was initially there and it would, what it did, it, it, it helped assist developers in writing code. Not only did it help in, in, in writing code, sometimes it wrote better code, right? Than, than, than what the human would do. But most importantly, it helped a lot with debugging. So debugging was, you know, you write code and something doesn't quite go right. <laughs> you could have the copilot review your code and debug it for you. So my first use case I think about when I think about copilot and chat GPT is absolutely uh, software development and how it revolutionized code writing. So that's the first one. Uh, I'll ping pong it back to you. What's, what's, what do you, what do you think about when you think about? Yeah, and I'll hit case? the next one. I don't agree. It, I'm not a big coder, but one of the first things I used it for was to try to write some really simple JavaScript that I I couldn't figure out, and oh, it and it yeah. did it at the time a decent job of it. Yeah. So second one that that we hit on a lot is content creation, and think of this. Right. We'll hit a little bit later on more of a marketing context to this one, but this is everything you do in your daily life, your daily job, from writing a sympathy card to somebody all the way through, you know editing a resume, maybe changing the context of a, of a document. Sure. And you can do this in a lot of ways and create informal content, very formal content. You can do it in voices, specific people or organizations. Yeah. And it's really helpful to get it crafted in a way that may be cleaner than what you did. And you do need to, you do need to use the instructions really well in this, because if you don't, you will get language that you may not normally use and i'm by language i mean just the this sort of approach and the tone of the writing yeah so you need to be very deliberate about what you do but this clear use case it's this was one of the early use cases with chat gpt in particular and it will probably be one of the the bigger use cases as we go forward so i'll flip it back to you okay uh let me think about this um okay well actually this is this is a big one 
so I see another use case as AI or ChatGPT Copilot type of generative AI impacting customer support. So it they use it today. Like uh, you're able to generate like automated responses, right? So whether it's Copilot or ChatGPT, depending on what kind of uh, support platform or what kind of question or what your what data it is you're trying to use, it can handle literally routine customer inquiries. So imagine having a virtual agent um, asking an AI for some customer uh, related support and getting an automatic uh, automatic response. I also see it as so you know in the customer support world, there's something called a ticket. <laughs> it's yeah. a it's basically it's a customer has an issue, so a ticket gets generated, and that's and then somebody's going to work that ticket to closure, right? Um, but triaging which ticket sometimes needs to uh, come first uh, could be overwhelming depending on how large of a support organization you have. I can see AI doing that for you. AI like literally doing that triage and assisting with with how to categorize the different types of, of, of customer requests coming in, support requests, and how to route them too. So that's my immediately my, my other use cases just in the customer support realm. So um, what can you think of next? So I'll, I'll throw one out. This is probably the most controversial use case that's out there today, which is around healthcare. So okay, okay, there's a lot of risk. Does it diagnose as well as a a physician would? Does it yeah. miss things? Does it find things that that a physician or a doctor wouldn't find? All those are true potentially. Yeah. But there there are some basic things that we're already starting to see emerge, and I think will emerge more. So assisting with documentation, sure. potentially taking notes, ensuring that there is quick follow-up on writing scripts and those kind of things for the patient, monitoring all of that. Has the patient filled it? You know, if it's a critical med that a patient needs and they don't fill the, the medication, the doctor or somebody else on the staff can then reach out and say, hey, this is critical to your healthcare. You need to fill this medication. Right. Some tangent elements of it are around broader research, both oh, yeah. assisting in the research process, right? But also analyzing existing research that's out there. I'm doing a doctoral program right now, not in healthcare, but I'm doing it in business. And I review massive amounts of research on a right. weekly basis to sort of formulate opinions and and come up with my opinion based on on what's out there in the existing research and then bring it to the finish line and some kind of the finished document having some assistance up front to be able to identify better and work through the data will be significant going forward i can tell you most of the the search that exists today and there's multiple databases of of academic research they are standard kind of search terms that we've been yeah. using for the last 20 or 25 years, and they are really ineffective at searching. Hmm. That's a good point. So I'll flip it back to you. See what okay. you got that. Um, so I guess I have a slightly controversial one too, I guess. Uh, at least it, it became controversial early on. But anyway, I think about the education field. And so... I know that uh, uh, there was a lot of uh, early talks about penalizing students for using generative AI to create their work or to improve on their work or whatever the case may be. And 
I know you and I were like, what are you talking about? It's like using a calculator, right? Yeah. I, I mean, embrace it. Don't push back on it. Okay, fine. But I'll tell you some other ways that the education industry or, or sector could potentially uh, use as maybe, maybe with tutoring. I mean, listen, yeah. not every teacher or professor would love to have all the free time possible to tutor students. I know they enjoy that because they like to see their kids excel, right? And, and, and their students excel, but uh, you, they can't be everywhere. So maybe it's a matter of setting up some some generative large language models with very specific instructions to help tutor a specific student. It's It could be personalized to that particular student. You set up, you walk away, the student walks through the process, and as the student asks questions, is they're getting answered, they're being tutored. So I see that as a huge value, and I don't think that should be controversial, right? Um, yep. and, and then also, I see it as a help for the teacher. You said it earlier mm -hmm. from a content creation perspective. Well, why couldn't a teacher or a professor use generative AI to create their content that they're going to then transfer no that knowledge over to somebody else? So um, I, I, I see it. I see education as a use case. So um, you come up with the next one. See which, let's see what you come up with. And let me hit on that, Ed, one a little bit further even. There's some interesting stuff in that tutoring piece where yeah. it could help in note-taking. Of course. It yeah. could help in then taking notes in class as an assistant, Yeah. looking at the student when they're doing their homework, and then could interact with them around <clears throat> areas where they see a weakness in, in the homework. Yeah, And maybe even look into the school system and see exam scores and understand there's a weakness in the exam score and suggest an area where they might want to focus more than others. So, George, here's one. The student gets an exa the exam scores back, feeds it into the AI, and prompts the AI, help me understand what I got wrong. Yep. And, 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 and so, so now there's, now there's, now there's a, a teaching moment from the AI. Uh, yeah. Uh, should, uh, so right. let me let me hit on another one. And again, sort of said on the first one that's controversial. This one has a little bit of controversy as well, potentially. But it's how do you use it within the legal profession? So oh, yeah. there have been a couple of examples where people would ask ChatGPT for a recommendation on something for a case they were doing and it made up cases and they presented those cases to the court <laughs> they didn't really exist right so that that's an issue of that's a wow. technology issue right it's what they are grounding yeah. grounding on and it's the wrong data right yeah. wow but there's think similar to the academic research that i spoke about earlier there are so many uh legal rulings that can be used mm -hmm. in court cases and other things related to the legal profession that it's very difficult to research and understand everything that's out there and be able to put it all together in a single place and really think through all of it. This is a huge, huge opportunity. And then there's an opportunity as well on, on sort of consolidating or organizing and analyzing documents. A lot of times you have massive amounts of data that come in on legal cases. You have transactions potentially within businesses yeah. with mergers and acquisitions where you usually have a, a data room where information is kept to be able to cleanly look across that in a better search way. And again, back to my earlier example, 
most search within those kind of things either doesn't exist or if it does, it's the search from 20 or 25 years ago. It's not insightful searching. It is keyword searching that is not always helpful. But I'll, yeah. if you want to comment on that, you can comment and then I'll let you throw another one out. <clears throat> I was just thinking about sometimes people just need a simple contract. So maybe the AI prompts some questions, you input it, the answer, and it drafts a, you know, a promissory built for note. Purpose, or, right? Yeah, yeah, built, built for purpose, right? I need a promissory note, or I need a, I need an NDA, um, or yep. whatever the case. And it, so, so rather than pull an attorney out of the field for that, maybe you just have the AI do it, because yeah. that's, that's like boilerplate language for the most part, right? So anyway, um, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> I'll, I'll, I'll pick up the, the, the most fun of the use cases because we live it all the time, every day in our lives. And that's marketing. I mean, I'll just speak about what we do. And so, uh, we as a marketing team, right, George and I were on the same marketing yep. team. Um, uh, we generate content, uh, and we generate images. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you some, sometimes the content that we deliver to you on this podcast, we generate it through AI. We'll come up with a narrative, right, with all the research that we found or all or the topics or the notes from meetings or whatever that we went to. And then we ask the AI, hey, can you clean this up and 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 summarize it in a way that we can then uh, consume the data to be able to deliver on a podcast? And it'll do that for us. Yep. And so so that's, you know, we can use it for advertising. We can do it for uh, creating blogs so we can generate some traffic. Uh, we can use it for email campaigns. If you want to uh, alter the message or if you want to change the tone of an email to a customer, to a prospect, it'll do that for you. Um, and I even use it for market research. Like we I think we said this very early on in our podcast, how we have a uh, from the power platform using Power Automate, we have built in workflow automation where it goes out and researches specific rss feeds and finds based on our areas of interest finds articles and and research and findings and supplies that to us yep. in teams so i don't have to go out and do this research i have the ai do it for me and then i go and pick and choose which ones i want to zoom in on um so yeah and I, we, george and i could probably give you a hundred examples that how we're using ai from a marketing team, but marketing, I think, is one of those areas that uh, this generative AI, large language models, all this stuff really shines. So uh, that's 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 my next use case. Yeah, and I think the the one of the key things that stands out to me with what we do from a marketing standpoint is we've been able to get to a very consistent output from an image standpoint. We use a lot of yeah. AI generated imagery <laughs> on the website and in uh, other media that we use. The other piece is getting content that gets more consistent when you have multiple people involved in the development process. The AI helps to Good bring point. that tone together in a way that's more consistent and also aids in ensuring we've integrated keywords, for example, into content that we might use on the web or in other places that we want to drive SEO from that. Yeah. So the, I'll hit on another area. And, and again, we... It could be some controversy here. Uh, all kinds of use cases in HR from monitoring an employee from a well-being standpoint. Are they oh. working too many hours and those yeah, kind yeah. of things? 
But all the way through the, even if we just look at a, a more narrow example and the hiring process, to be able to understand resumes as, as they come in, in the context of who's been hired before and who's been successful. And that success could be driven by multiple things. It could be actual performance reviews or other information. And then taking that information and matching it up against work styles and other things that can be measured through upfront surveying of an employee in that interview yeah. process, right? My light bulb just went off, George. Ready? Let's build a custom copilot that uses a depository of resumes that has been submitted to our HR department as its knowledge source. And then you feed it the job description and and the skill sets that you're looking for yep. and have the AI bubble up to the top, your top five candidates that are in your resume bucket. And then layer on top, by the way, actual direct analytics with the person to understand, yeah, you know, business working traits and work styles and those kind of things in a more independent way and be able uh, to come up with an employee that's a better fit for the norms of that organization. Yeah. And then even carry that through, how do you onboard them? And do you have a modified AI supported onboarding process that, that, treats people differently based on what's been identified as their learning styles, as well as obviously the needs of, of the position that they're driving towards. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff, man. My, my gears are turning. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, I guess another, another one, and sometimes we start off with, with, with the word controversial because people create the controversy, but, um, but, in the financial industry, why not? Financial services, right? I mean, listen, I'm not saying that it has to go out and and negotiate uh, financial terms, and but I could see how you could use AI for like data analysis on 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 financial outcomes. It'll do that. It, it, it actually, I think, will do that very well so long as it has the data. It all comes back to the data you're feeding it, right? If the, if the data is good data, your output's going to be good. If you have dirty data and it's not you know it's not optimal then it you may have even ai hallucination from bad data but if you have for the most part the financial industry is very good at keeping clean data it's almost like they have to so if you feed good data and you ground this ai on it and you ask for for data analysis man these bots are amazing at analyzing data and they will give you really good outputs um and you know what it goes back to even communicating with customers. You know, if you have a banker who's trying to craft an email about, you know, uh, uh, the next HELOC he wants to close yep. and he wants to come across as somewhat professional, they can type up, you know, their version of the email and have, have the AI kind of uh, polish it up. And now it goes on it's, and it looks good and it reads well and it, it's clean and I, I just i could see i could think of so many things that the ai can do in that in that industry in general but to me data analytics in the financial uh, services arena yeah ai's rock for that they there's yep. that's one thing they do very well is analyze data so well um, to be able to even drive them <laughs> we we've, we've talked in other podcasts about autonomous ai mm-hmm 
to be able to drive stuff, even in a high touch environment. So if you think of wealth management, there's a lot more person to person interaction between right. the financial advisor and the client. But if you think back to the beginning of COVID, as an example, there was a huge drop in the market. Everybody got a bit freaked out about it. Like, what do I do? Should I be selling all my stocks? Should I not be selling all my stocks? I, I had somebody pass along a market report from one of the bigger wealth managers that really broke down multiple things that had happened over the last 80 to 100 years and where there were critical impacts on the market that caused a significant drop. Mm. And the real outcome of it was the market will recover. The market tends to always recover. That may not be the case in the future, but in the past, the the market has always recovered. But be able to proactively have AI communicating as that drop is taking place. Mm -hmm. And maybe with some level of input, but to allow interactivity then back from the client, because Mm -hmm. I suspect many wealth managers, the day things really started to get bad with COVID and markets, you remember, dropped dramatically thousands of points over a really short period of time to be able to have an active dialogue with people to be able to get them more comfortable with what's happening. Yeah. You know, within the balance of that client relationship. And this is where some of the controversy comes in. Is it what risk does that create for the financial advisor and their firm in allowing AI to do that advisory work? Are they really fully working on behalf of the client? And are they able to prove that? How are those decisions made? Those kind of things. I think I think I think they can get there. And I think the ability to to imagine having an AI that's customized to that specific client yep. and it only sees their data, their investment portfolio, their no, it can't see anything else. So that one bot is so focused on one particular customer and their data and their trends that I think that I think they can get it to a point where it could probably give pretty solid financial advice. I think where it gets tricky is when you have a bot that's over that's seen everybody else's data and trying to make assumptions. No, because yeah. welfare management is very personalized and it's very unique to that individual and to the choices they make. So I think they can pull this off, but it has to be grounded on that particular client alone. That's on just the me data. And but the other thing that that is a gap in that space is has the advisor really asked every question that they need to yes, ask? They understand point. everything about the person's background. Good point. Are there other ways within transactions that some of that might be visible? They hopefully wouldn't have missed this, but do they realize that they have a student starting in college? Do they see within the transaction college transactions and then payments, for example, to a university? Do they then in the next meeting with the client say, I wasn't aware you had a student in school. I can see within your transactions there's been payments to Villanova University. As right. an example, you know, can we talk about that and what do you think those withdrawals will look like over time? And let's talk about the impact now. Again, simplistic answer that hopefully someone wouldn't have missed in the yeah, yeah. process of onboarding that client. But there's probably more nascent ones where even in the transaction level detail, things are occurring like you bought a new car. Oh, I saw you bought a new car. 
we we hadn't spoken about that it's drawn down this account so so let me hit on one final one and okay. there are elements of this that are that are in place there there's been automation in this field clearly that's that's advanced quite significantly over time but it's around the manufacturing space oh yeah so it's there's elements of quality control within there yes. uh, there are there are manufacturing like things that will emerge so you will fully see a transformation within the restaurant space as an example where you could almost go to a hundred percent automated environment in a McDonald's from everything through preparation of food through for the starting with the ordering, the preparation, the payment, the delivery of the food, the quality controls checks within that, that could all happen in an automated way and give you the most consistent outcome you could likely have in the production, right? So are the fries the same at McDonald's at every single McDonald's every single time? No, they're not. Do I personally notice a difference in the fries? Sometimes I do, yeah. right? So, and it's things like you can tell when the fries have been sitting there for 20 minutes versus when they they just came yeah. out of the fryer. Yeah. Then there's elements behind that of, are you really looking at all the maintenance requirements on everything within the manufacturing environment and proactively going in when there are minor variations that can be seen in data that are coming back and understanding over time, some variations are fine and they can be left for a period of time. Sure. Others are gonna quickly go to a critical issue. Correct. And again, if you bring it back to, if you term a restaurant as a manufacturing environment, does it start to see a variation in the quality of the fries? Does the oil need to be changed? You can even build in, you know, from a CX standpoint and a service standpoint, immediate feedback. How were your fries today, Sante? Were they a 10 out of 10 or were they a <laughs> seven out of 10? And if they're a seven out of 10, we're gonna ask you why they were a seven because last time they were a 10. Right. And what maybe changed. spotting something in that process to create more consistency in, right. the, in the outcome. And I realize people in some of these kind of environments, there's an interactive component. You don't yeah. want a sit down restaurant to be a robot coming to your seat <laughs> in most cases, right? No. Some people might like that, but you do want some level of interactivity, customization, those kind of things. Well, but in higher volume environments, you, you don't. You want consistency, right? If, yep. you, if, you have, if you have a favorite place, you it's a favorite place probably because their food is very consistent. And in fact, uh, uh, recently, uh, we went to one of our favorite places and my wife made the comment, I think they change something about the salad. Doesn't taste the same. And then when she asked the question, yeah, they changed the dressing. She goes, why would they do that? When it was so good. <laughs> so, so yep. you know, humans can detect change, especially when it comes to food. Um, um, but yeah, to your point, if something's not consistent, if something's off, your best immediate feedback is your customer who's who's a regular. Because they'll be like, mm, yep. something, ain't, something ain't, ain't the same about this. And so that triggers something else in the background. So I agree. That's pretty cool stuff. Well, folks, listen, uh, we just came up with 10 uh, potential use cases for generative AI. Uh, some of these you might be able to relate to, some of these you 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 may not relate to, uh, but hopefully it kind of gives you a sense of how AI can be applied in your daily 
uh, work life, right? Um, and and hopefully also helps to calm down some of the fears of how AI is going to replace everybody's jobs. As you can see, a lot of the examples we gave is really about making the human better at their job. And so, yep. so anyway, folks, with that said, uh, please take this time to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, that could be Spotify, uh, that could be Apple Podcasts, uh, or that could be on YouTube. But uh, now's the time to go ahead and hit subscribe and click that little bell so you get uh, an alert, a notification when we have a new episode ready for you. Until next time, folks, remember this, stay connected, stay curious, or is it stay curious and stay connected? Visit FusionConnect.com slash TechUnmuted for show notes and more episodes. Thanks for listening. Thank you.